0: You're listening to an Anna Ministries podcast. Welcome back to the SG Drive-In. Today, we're going to be talking about Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. Welcome back, everybody. I'm one of your hosts for today's episode, the Polish dragon, Brandon Knight. I am joined here today by Joe, 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 Joe. What's up, Joe? How are you doing today?
1: A lot better now ridiculous uh good man i uh am excited to uh break down another one of these summer blockbusters
0: you know i i I have a pitch for you i'm gonna do it right here live on the air to be recorded play back later recorded a couple months ago we determined that systematic ecology is the unofficial henry winkler fan club yes is it safe to say that we can add harrison ford to that list as well this oh, is I'm number pretty
1: sure that's a non-negotiable at this point.
0: Right. It's, this is number two of four that we're doing of his. Here's the, the name idea. The Patron Saints of Cinema. And we can have there this running go. list going of all of the actors and actresses that we deem the Patron Saints of Cinema. We can even have people on the Priests of the Geeks Facebook page vote for new members. I think I think we got a winning idea here. Anyway, so we're here today to talk about... One of, I would say, this is my favorite of the Indiana Jones franchise, The Last Crusade, starring Harrison Ford and also Sean Connery. Joe, where would you rank this one at on the favorite, or how would you rank the Indiana Jones films?
1: Um, I would rank this one three out of, like, in the the last spot out of three because we don't know other Indiana Jones movies exist past the last crusade that is important to to make sure any claims to the contrary have been greatly exaggerated um but this movie is is good it's still an indiana jones movie Mm -hmm. but as far as being better than like the temple of doom or raiders i i don't i can't I can't necessarily put it above those, but still a solid. Moment. Really? I,
0: I can understand not being able to put it above Raiders of the Lost Ark, because that one is that one is all time cinema classic. Like that is a if you're going to appreciate good movies, you have to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark at some point. Yep, I don't get the draw for Temple of Doom because I know that's Josh's favorite one. We're not even covering it this summer. That's Josh's favorite one of the Indiana Jones films. I think it's fine. I just, it's it's not really for me, I guess, outside of the scene right at the beginning when the giant thing is rolling and he's running behind it to shield himself from the bullets. That was cool. Other than that, I'm not really, I don't know. I know we're not here to talk about that one, but that's that's just my pitch.
1: So to me, those first two have elements of schlock to them that you almost need in a franchise like this. Whereas this, the last crusade to me feels more like it's trying to catch up with the movies that came before it.
0: Really? Like we're trying, like how a sequel normally is because a sequel normally just tries to keep up with the first one, redo some old tropes, slight twist at the end. So that way it's not identical. You, you find that to be this movie. Yeah. Interesting. I can kind of see that with the... It's almost shot in reverse, whereas Raiders of the Lost Ark starts with the whole going through the temple sequence, getting to the idol, the sand sequence. That's basically the ending of this movie, is going through the temple with all the booby traps. Yeah, I don't know what it is about this one, other than... I think it's really cool that Sean Connery is Harrison Ford's dad. That's kind of like in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 when Kurt Russell was Chris Pratt's dad. Great call. Um, I I like their chemistry. I think they have great chemistry together, especially the scene where they're in the room, tied up in the chairs, and the room catches on fire. And they're trying to get each other's attention and... Indiana Jones turns one way and he says, Dad, and Sean Cronin goes the other way and says, What? And then they switch sides and they do that like three or four times until Sean Cronin is like, What? What is it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. This to me is, it's a lot of fun. It's just the other ones did it first and better.
0: Did it first and better. Okay. Well, that's all we have time for today,
1: kids.
0: (laughs) You heard it here first. The Last Crusade the others did it better. (laughs) I think it's interesting. I don't know if they did this on purpose or not. We're going to live in a fantasy universe where there is four movies. I do think it's interesting how in the first and third films, he's looking for Christian artifacts. And then in the second and elusive fourth film, he's going after just artifacts in general. I don't know if that was done on purpose or not, because you have the The Ark of the Covenant in the first one, the Holy Grail in the third one. You have those stones in Temple of Doom. I don't know if those are based on anything historical or not. And then you have the crystal skulls in the quote unquote unquote, fourth installment that I do know those are like real things.
1: Yeah, I will. I will say I can appreciate. I don't know. You make a compelling argument for this to be second. It's definitely not first, but you okay. make a compelling argument for this to be for this to be second because I think there's something s- cool about it being feeling more like they're actually after something rather than just generic historical document or hyster- historical item number 5. Okay. It feels a little more like there's some substance to the actual um the actual expedition, the actual adventure, because mm-hmm. the item is more tangible.
0: Okay, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, like I said, I don't know if the rocks in Temple of Doom are supposed to be based off of anything. It seems like they're very intentional with the other three items. And I don't know yet if they've even announced what's supposed to be in the fifth installment next summer. I did find okay, out Antonio so, Banderas is supposed to be in the movie, though. That's a good addition.
1: Again, any rumors outside of there being three Indiana Jones movies have been greatly exaggerated. Something about
0: Shia LaBeouf riding a motorcycle and fire ants and the one lady who always plays a really angry woman, Kate Blanchett. Um, she's always really angry, okay? <laughs> That's awesome. Why do you think people are obsessed with trying to find the Ark of the Covenant? And in this case, specifically with The Last Crusade, the Holy Grail.
1: I think a big part of it has to do with the mystery of it. You know, nobody has seen this thing. Nobody has been able to know what it actually looks like. You know, plus or minus. I mean, like, sure. There, there are there are some depictions and different things, and obviously we have the the biblical account of what the ark looks like. Sure, but a. It's the mystery of that. And B, it was a different culture. You know, we were not as far removed from the from the time of Nazi Germany where it was very heavily rumored that the Nazis, you know, squirreled away all of this um, treasure and mm-hmm. all of these kinds of things that that was kind of – at the forefront, in a more tangible way than it is now, and okay. I think when you have those two things together, and in an environment that was more welcoming to this whole idea of trying to find a Christian artifact without just "I'm trying to find a Christian artifact" so, uh, so that way I can, you know, disprove Christianity, mm-hmm. that it just kind of lends lends itself to these types of movies being created. Yeah, you're right.
0: We have the description in the um, Torah of what the Ark of the Covenant is supposed to at least God gives like directions of what this box is supposed to look like. The Holy Grail is a mystery as to what exactly that is even supposed to be. I do think they make the right call, though, when it comes to the scene where they're in the room with the ancient Night that looks like he should be in Monty Python quest for the Holy Grail. Ironically, Um, we should do a whole series on Holy Grail content. They're in the room. They got all these different cups. The Nazi guy, he picks up like this beautiful, elaborate one. And you get the famous line. You have chosen poorly. Then he like evaporates because they love evaporating people in this series. Yep. And then Indiana Jones goes to pick his cup and he finds the dankiest dirtiest normal most normal looking cup to drink from and he chose wisely and i think that shows a level of understanding on the people who did the design work who did the writing of that may be actually fairly historically accurate i don't know what cups look like in jesus's day but since he's a poor traveling rabbi and they borrowed somebody's house for the last supper it it makes sense that the cup wouldn't be this extravagant, you know, royalty looking glass.
1: Yeah, that goes into the the whole issue of medieval style renderings of Jesus in the Last Supper and all of those kinds of things. But the reality is, is that if you're looking at, like you said, time and context and all of those kinds of things and you're trying to be accurate, then, yeah. It's not going to look like he's in some royal palace. It, sure. The the grail is not going to look like it's some magnificent chalice and all of these kinds of things. Even to, you know, you go to something like a Catholic mass and everybody kind of takes the sip out of the one communal cup. Mm-hmm. Um. It, it tends to be a cup that is more... Uh, pristine or more adorned or something along those lines. And I I understand what the most well-intentioned side of we are using our best for Jesus is trying to get at. Okay. But- There's something lost when you go that when you go too heavily in that direction. And I think that's very firmly where we see a lot of depictions land. And so Mm -hmm. I would be inclined to agree that that's the direction that they decided to go in for this.
0: Yes. Yeah. The whole conversation of bringing your best to Jesus can very quickly turn into a slippery slope of legalism and the fancy suits with the hats and the nice dresses and the excellence in ministry over grace and all these different types of things. All of that to say, yeah, I think they did a good job with the design of this, of just a normal looking glass. And for those of you who haven't seen the movie, first off, shame on you. Second, the Nazi drinks out of his kills him. The implication is that Drinking from the Holy Grail brings you life. Indiana Jones now apparently has eternal life. I guess we can assume that. And previous to him going to get the Holy Grail, his dad, Henry Jones Sr., played by Sean Connery, uh, gets shot and is dying. And he, this was an interesting call. I didn't think this would work. He pours the rest of the liquid content out of the glass onto the bullet wound and it the bullet disappears and it closes up that's miracle stuff there for you because i don't think this is the only time this has happened why do you think people assume the holy grail brings you eternal life this is like this turns into some type of like fountain of youth type of conversation
1: because when you're taking it's the same idea as to why when they opened the ark of the covenant um, out came I don't know Pazuzu, like three people got that <laughs> joke um you know it, it's it's this kind of almost blind depiction of it's powerful, okay, and without the time and context of what Jesus is getting at, the closest thing to it's powerful when you are depicting. The Last Supper and everybody drinking out of the grail, it kind of gets distilled into this magic potion sort of thing. You know, when when you consider the supernatural side of of, you know, drink this for it's my blood that, you know, has to be flashier than what it is, what the Bible is getting at. Sure. And the easiest way to do that with with some kind of liquid and like that, that sort of depiction of drinking something and something like that is like a fountain of youth,
0: fountain of youth type of thing. We're taking a uh, little bit more of like a spiritual biblical principle and we have to manifest it in a very physical way in order for it to connect with a secular mainstream audience the majority of people watching indiana jones aren't necessarily christians and just because they're going after christian artifacts does not mean that this is some type of christian film although veggie tales did do a pretty good knockoff minnesota cuke that was a good series um he he looks for noah's ark and then samson's hairbrush there
1: you go there you go um yeah, it's the same. It's the same exact reason why you know, like I said, when they opened up the ark and looking like a creature straight out of Ghostbusters, came yeah. came out of there and again basically melted a Nazi. Um, and I'm pretty sure it happened in the second one too. At some point, a Nazi gets uh melted which i mean some people would cheer at but it's kind of a trope at this point and it's that same idea that within the ark of the covenant is the presence of the lord and Mm -hmm. we need to manifest that for a secular audience that doesn't care about we're not we're not the intention here is not to convey biblical truth it's to create a movie. And so we need to showcase that in some way, shape or form. And that's kind of how we do it. The crystal
0: skull also melts a Nazi skull. So this is just, this is a trope in Indiana Jones. Yeah. No, does, sometimes. does it happen in the television show? Young Indiana Jones. I barely sure remember if- that thing. I barely remember that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I've never, I have, I haven't seen it in quite a long time. If I have seen it,
0: there's a whole flock of those live action 90s shows that I've wanted to go back and watch because I like have vague glimpses of Kevin Sorbo as Hercules and Xena, the warrior princess. That's another one is the young Indiana Jones adventures. If they were to make a fifth installment and following this logic of we always do a Christian artifact on the on the odd number films. Is there anything else to go after? Is there any other elusive thing? I can think of one. I want to see if you can think of
1: that one, too. I can think of two. But the first one that popped into my head is the spear that pierced Jesus's side. I could absolutely mm. see that becoming a thing. And the other one is some some form of the um, the wood of the cross, like the actual cross that okay. Jesus was hung up.
0: Yeah, the, the one that came to mind for me is. The spear that pierced Jesus' side because the librarian already did that one. The spear of destiny. Did you ever watch those movies with uh, what's that guy's name? Noel Noel Wiley. Is that his name? Um, I've
1: heard of them, I've never watched them.
0: They were TV movies made by TNT back in the early 2000s. Same general principle of a guy going after rare artifacts. Um, But the gimmick behind this one was is that he's just a bookworm. He's nowhere near the physical capabilities of Indiana Jones or anybody else. But he's brilliant. So he can figure out all these puzzles and whatnot. So, yeah, that's what I thought of, too, is some type of spear of destiny. And we can melt a Nazi by jabbing it into that Nazi's chest. And it just doesn't stab him and penetrate him. But just like the Nazi melts around the spear of destiny. That That's how that's going to go down. Yep. So any other thoughts on this movie? Getting back to the actual last crusade. So third, maybe second, depending on your day, how your day is going. Um, Sean Connery, great as a Harrison Ford's dad. Any other things that really stand out to you from this film?
1: Yeah, this is one of those films that I think because its predecessors are so famous it kind of catches the short end of the stick. Um, okay. I, I do find it hilarious that these movies kind of get brushed under the rug as classics for all of the things that they show, that, all of the ways that they showed their age. You know, okay. women, women were depicted in a very certain kind of way in the late 80s and 90s. Uh, okay. how, how men treated women. Are, is depicted in a in a very particular way, and and that part of it, you know, some of the stereotypical stuff um, that kind of borderlines on racist, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of gets swept under the rug because it's Indiana Jones, because all of that. So that I that I found interesting, but that you know, I I think Sean Connery in this movie. It's one of the few of this period of his acting career that I actually really did get behind because I think Sean Connery was a good actor and then went a very similar path as somebody like Robert De Niro, who De Niro started doing old man roles and did a killer job. Sean Connery started doing old man roles and it was not nearly as good. You uh, know what I mean? Yeah. A- and this is one of those that I think is probably at the top of the list for this at this point in his career, you know, obviously mm-hmm. him in this role doesn't hold a candle to when he was younger, but oh, sure. you know, for, for this stage, I think he's, I think he's good all around. I would say, you know, uh, a solid, a solid movie for for what it is, you know, a, a summer blockbuster where it's adventuring, it's treasure hunting, all of those kinds of things, and it's it's interesting to me to to watch how a secular vision handles Christian artifacts and Christian lore in the way that okay. it does. You know what I mean? Where where mm-hmm. it's it's a version of still holding a a manner of rever, reverence but without but while still ho- ho- hollywoodifying it yes it
0: i would say overall they do in this in this part because you're you're right there are certain elements of these films that definitely get swept under the rug in the name of it's indiana jones but when right. it comes to this part of depicting Christian artifacts, biblical lore in uh, a Hollywood way, it does a really good job of writing that line of trying to be somewhat accurate towards the source material of scripture while also just not like dismissing it. You don't really have characters the entire time saying, uh, what's that? This isn't anything. This is just a bunch of malarkey. You know, you don't really have that in these movies. For the most part, people are taking it seriously. Sean Connery's character, Indiana Jones' dad in the film is obsessed with finding the Holy Grail. There is no indication of any type of religious background there for him, but he is dead set on trying to find the Holy Grail, devotes his entire life to it. Or I think of in the first Indiana Jones film, one of my favorite lines in the entire franchise is when Harrison Ford is explaining to the two, to the two guys in the library what the Ark of the Covenant is, and they're just kind of dumbfounded, like they don't know what he's talking about. And Harrison Ford says, haven't you ever been to Sunday school? Like, there's yeah. just, it does, it, they are able to, not just because the movie was made in the 80s, but because of the time place of when the movies take place in the 40s, they're able to kind of rely on that time placement of being in a part of American history where you just went to church. That was the thing you did on Sundays. That people were, I don't want to say people were more religious, but maybe they were a little bit more open to practicing Christian things. Without faith, without any commitment of following Jesus, but that was just the thing that you did.
1: Right. What we are seeing here is um, a depiction of a different point in time when family Christianity, that surface level, was the soup of the day. That's a good way to put it. Family Christianity. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, obviously we don't know everybody from that time and all of those kinds of things, but there are habits that can be drawn back to this this period of time that this is depi- that this movie is depicting mm-hmm. that have been manipulated over the years into a version of Christian nationalism that we have today. Mm-hmm. And yes. so by virtue of all of that it was more normal to show some depiction of of a somewhat accurate biblical concept.
0: Yes. Without, un, without downplaying it, without undermining it, obviously yeah. Hollywood-fying it. Yeah. I think they do a decent job. I don't want to see a Christian equivalent of Indiana Jones other than the ridiculous VeggieTales, because VeggieTales gets a free pass for everything. But I don't even want to know what a... Indiana Jones Christian film would look like. I can tell you, there probably won't be any Nazis melting.
1: Probably not. Um, Which is it, really it, why we
0: watch these.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really why we watch these. Um, that and to watch Harrison Ford crack a whip. Um, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, it's one of those things that I think you take, you take the somewhat win of a movie of a mainstream movie d- taking this seriously at least to some degree and and you move on mm-hmm. you know you you don't this does not work because wh- because if you try to meld anything christian with it you're either going to get pointless you're either going to get to it being a christian movie as pointless Or it being a Christian movie as we found some ridiculous artifact, whatever. And like, you look at the cheesiness of this movie and it's absolutely there. It's not like they used to make these types of movies and they weren't Mm. cheesy. And then something like national treasure comes along and it's suddenly cheesy. It's no, this kind of thing is always cheesy. And if you're trying to, if you have a low budget Christian movie house trying to do this, it's only going to get worse because mm-hmm. nobody cares. Like, honestly, unless, like, Ark of the Covenant, most people who have at least been to Sunday school know what that is. Holy Grail, most people that have been to Sunday school know what that is. Nowadays, you're not going to have that same thing. And At worst, you're going to have a company that's going to go off in some weird direction to some minute thing that has never been heard of outside of, you know, Bible nerds, and nobody's going to care.
0: The sword that Ehud used to slay Elgon. We're going to go find it.
1: (laughs) We're going to go find a piece of the doorway that Samson picked up and crushed the Philistines (laughs) with, guys. That's what we're going to find.
0: That's what Uh, we're going to go find. David's bedchamber. Anyway, last call before we wrap this up. Overall, this is truly a drive-in classic. This is... The Indiana Jones movies are, in my opinion, the peak of the popcorn films. This is get some popcorn, get a giant soda, let's just enjoy a movie marathon.
1: Yeah, so fun facts. I actually... Um, the first depiction that I ever saw of the sand scene from the beginning of of the first uh, Indiana Jones movie, where you know, in in the whole temple scene, was in Weird Al's UHF.
0: Dude, I want to talk about that movie when the Weird Al film comes out later this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and th- so so Indiana Jones was a series that I kind of came into a little bit later. Okay. You know, other other fandoms were way more prevalent for me at a younger age. Um, so I don't know if it's because of that that I'm not... I enjoy Indiana Jones. I certainly don't think of Indiana Jones in the last crusade when I think of, so, so this is my birth year that this is the way, you know, we talked about that, that, that we're doing, um, each one of these are from the years that, that a host was born. And right. this is one of mine. And so, so I don't necessarily think of this when you think of 89, when you think of some of the ridiculous movies that came out in 1989. Um, with with the the focus being squarely on on the main one, but you know we'll get there. Um, Run it back, yeah. But this is, I think there's, I think there's other more quintessential popcorn flicks for me. Okay, but this is fun. I I I know I know it's it's weird to to be talking about these things and being like almost kind of on the fence about you know, the the mm-hmm. quality of the movie. But I, I would say all in all, do yourself the favor, watch it, because at the end of the day, it is a fun movie that doesn't try to punch up much past what it actually is.
0: And on that note, let's wrap this up. So I've been trying to come up with fun questions to ask everybody here at the end of these episodes as we're talking about movie theater experiences. Joe, was there ever a time where you walked out of a movie at the theaters and what were the, what was the circumstances there?
1: So um, my wife and I still joke about the time that we walked out of, you don't mess with the Zohan when we were younger, (laughs) um, because that was it. We were dating the first time that when that movie came out um, back in the day and that movie sucks. It's so bad. It's that's
0: during the, that is during the dark part of Adam Sandler's career.
1: Everything past Happy Gilmore was a dark part of uh, Adam Sandler's career. I said it. <laughs> Adam Sandler was his fun. It was at his funniest in the 90s. I'll say it. He was. He was. Um, plus or minus Big Daddy, because I think that came out in 2000. Um, yes.
0: It's right there at the turn.
1: Yeah. Um so yes, that, that is the one that I've walked out from, that we walked out from, because it's just a categorically not funny movie. I also walked out of Borat because Borat's stupid. I, I lost brain cells watching Borat. That movie is not funny for all of the same reasons why Napoleon Dynamite isn't funny. There we oh, go. I said oh, it. I'm no. just making everybody angry.
0: Oh, now you hit. Now you hit me. Not with Borat. Borat doesn't look interesting to me. There are certain comedy films that just don't look interesting to me. The Hangover franchise. I don't get it. But man, I was I was in middle school when Napoleon Dynamite came out. I haven't seen it since then. But in my mind, it's comedic gold. One of <laughs> yeah. the only time, the only time I have ever walked out of the theater. It's actually kind of a sad story. My wife and I went to go see Hellboy, the remake with David Harbour, which was fine enough as it was, at least for the first half that we saw. My wife, however, had a really bad day. We went to the movies. She's perfect. She loves superhero movies. She's very geeky. It's not like I made her go to something she didn't want to see. But I guess she didn't realize exactly what she was getting herself into and had an anxiety attack during the middle of the movie. So we had to bail. But it was the Thursday opening night, and it was us and one other person in that theater. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody... Thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure you head on over to SysmacEcology.org where you can find links to all of the hosts, all of the episodes, all the other projects that we are all a part of, merch, Patreon. When you come across this episode on social media, comment and let us know, what movie did you walk out of? And remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests.